it's that time of the week again. It's time for Chit Chat Across the Pond, episode number 491 for June 14th, 2017. And I'm your host, Allison Sheridan. This week, I'm delighted to have on the show Peter Wells. He writes for the Sydney Morning Herald, and I've actually met him through his work on DTNS as a uh, semi-regular guest coming in from uh, from Australia. How are you doing today, Peter? I'm very well, Allison. How are you doing? I'm doing good. It was fun to finally meet. Did we meet at CES? Must have been. We did. Yeah, yeah, we bumped into uh, one of those trade shows, uh, one of the, the, what is it, Pepcom or one of those ones, the, oh, the little side right. ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was fun. Well, I got excited because uh, I saw you were actually at WWDC. You were actually invited there by Apple, you said? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, the WWDC is one of those things that, uh, uh, at least for press, um, you can't kind of sneak in any other way unless uh, Apple oh, invites right. you along. So, so that's uh, one of the nice things. Uh, yeah, I, I was able to uh, join. I don't know why Apple decided to, to take me along, but uh, um, it was it was good fun being in the room and and seeing uh, all of the announcements. And then, uh, I, I, did you did you actually watch the keynote? Uh, I did go back and watch it. Unfortunately, or fortunately for us, uh, Steve and I were in uh, Yellowstone hiking right while it was all going on. It was very surrealistic to be hiking along the Yellowstone Canyon, this spectacular canyon. This giant waterfall is coming down, and my watch is people going. Oh my gosh! Did you see they got drag and drop in iOS 11? My friend Bart came in on my watch. It was it was hilarious, especially since I didn't get uh, didn't have data most of the time, but messages would come through on my watch and not show up on my phone. It was very weird. Oh yeah, that is bizarre. Yeah, actually, I I left my phone in a cab. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, while I was waiting for the cab, uh, sorry, for the phone to be returned, my watch was still going off because it was connected to uh, the Wi-Fi. So oh. all of these push notifications were coming through. So I, I knew the watch, uh, sorry, the phone was still alive somewhere out there. Oh, that, I didn't it, know that would work. Yeah, it, as long as your watch is connected to um, a Wi-Fi network, it knows in the past. Then yeah, it can cont- continue that that sync. So really. It's very, yeah, oh, I'm going to have to do some experiments on that. In this case, there was no Wi-Fi in the canyon, but uh, so I, don't, I can't explain that. <laughs> well, anyway, I wanted to get you on because you've written uh, a bunch of articles for the Sydney Morning Herald that we'll, of course, put links in the show notes to them. Um, but one of the things I was most intrigued about was you talking about the the iMac. And now you, you got to do hands-on with all this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. How yeah. exciting. So the the iMac that you were touching was not the iMac Pro, though, correct? No, 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 no. We got to see. Uh, so the iMac Pro, they only had one uh, unit in the press area, um, and you could see it. You weren't allowed to touch it. You were allowed to take photos of it. <laughs> it was it was very very pretty, <clears throat> but clearly not ready for prime time just yet. Um, <clears throat> so the ones that we did get to see uh, were the the iMacs that that are currently on sale now. So the the 2017 upgraded versions of. Uh, the 21-inch and the 27-inch retinas uh, that you can go into an Apple store right now and buy. Uh, And it it was actually more of, weirdly enough, uh, just to give you a behind-the-scenes peek uh, at the way Apple does these things, uh, it it was more than a hands-on. So myself and a couple of other people, uh, anyone who you saw read, anyone who you saw post a review of the 27-inch iMac probably had a similar experience as I did where – at, at some point, I got this uh, mysterious call from an Apple person saying, please come to this hotel, uh, this suite in this hotel uh, in the next hour. Ooh. And so, uh, so yeah, just so a I, leap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I headed over to this uh, hotel suite and I, I waited outside and uh, there were a bunch of security guards waiting at the door of this place. And, and then the door opened up and um, I walked in and they handed me a 27-inch iMac and um, – 
had a security guard walk me back to my hotel. Um, oh, wow. So, <laughs> so that I could set it up and, and then review oh, it. Oh, so you got a lot of, of time with it. Not yeah, just, yeah. not just, you know, you're next in line, type on it a couple of keys and walk away. Absolutely. No, I was able to, I mean, it was nice enough that I, um, I got enough time that I was able to, uh, install, um, uh, all of the, the apps that I ch- generally use. So, wow. um, I mean, one of the nice things about working in it is, uh, I, I actually do have access to a whole bunch of other stuff in the background there. So I was able mm-hmm. to install Photoshop and Final Cut Pro and, um, and a whole bunch of other kind of pro tools. And, and also, uh, I threw on a couple of games as well, just to see how I would, would perform that way as well. And, uh, yeah, really, really got to go deep on that one. So is it just a, just a speed bump or, I mean, I know the, the, the fun is when you look at the Mac pro, it's, it's, it's space gray. So you can tell it's got the new fins of the, you know, the new car model mm. kind of feel to it. But if you're looking at the, at this, I mean, is it just a speed bump or what's new? Um, well, yeah, if, if you're looking at the iMac, um, if you, Put them both side by side, like so. I'm I'm talking to you right now on a 2015 uh, Retina iMac, um, which I love to death. It's a, it's a really really the, great the 5K? machine. The 5K, yeah, the 5K. Okay. Um and yeah, so so I've I've been uh, I've been using that heavily for a long time. Um, it's it's my daily kind of work machine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the the main difference you would see when you compare the two side by side is. Uh, the iMac is the new iMac, the 27 inch, uh, sorry, the 2017 iMac, first of all, so much brighter, but you know, I, I would not have it, uh, at full brightness most of the time. That seems more of a, you know, a showroom feature to, to really <laughs> impress people. Um, but it, yeah, look, it is, it is much, much brighter if you were using it, I guess, as, uh, as a display. They um, seem like they're really bright already. Yeah, they right? are. They're this, I mean, so this one right now is just one um, uh, one part off halfway, um, and that's oh, what wow. I normally have it on. So yeah, cranked all the way up. Um, yeah, you you would need sunglasses to use this thing. Um, <laughs> I, I do want to tell tell an anecdote about the brightness of a, of a screen. I'm uh, I'm 59, so uh, I'm well past the age of wearing glasses. But the way I figured out one of the things I figured out how I knew I needed glasses was when I was at work. I was working on this this horrible HP laptop that it was brand new workstation mm-hmm. class laptop, but it was so dim I couldn't read it. And when I came home, I could read with my 27 inch cinema display. So this is now like a six year old display. This at the time was probably three or four years old. But what I realized was that my display from Apple was so bright that it was contracting my pupils and giving me a longer depth of field. So right. I didn't need glasses at home, but I needed them at work. So my solution was I, I rotated my machine so I was facing a window. So at least during mm-hmm. the day I could see. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, that uh, I only started wearing glasses last year, and that was kind of based on the 27-inch uh, Retina because I, <laughs> I would sit there and use it, and I'd say, well, you know, I've heard all of the, the, these people talk about how amazing this screen is, and, you know, it looks okay, but um, it's not you know, that good. It, yeah, maybe it's just because of how far away you sit from a 27-inch. I really didn't see how how much more impressive it was. And then finally, I I, um, I had my eyes checked and found out that I was getting old enough to use glass, need glasses as well. And I put them on and I was like, oh, that's what people are now talking about. Now I see what they're talking about. <laughs> well, actually, there's there's another piece of the story. The the actual, the, the funniest thing was um, 
I had a, I had a problem with my shoulder, my right, my shoulder blade, it was killing me. And I did everything to figure it out for probably a year. I mean, I had the ergo people come at work. They raised my monitor. They loaded my monitor. They took the arms off my chair in case I was leaning over. They put the monitors beside each other, but they put them up and down each other, could not figure it out. And then one day at home, Steve, we were sitting on the couch and Steve said, why, why do you have your laptop so far away? I had it on my lap and I was just pushing it farther and farther and farther away until my arms were extended while I was using it. And that's when I got glasses. Fair enough. <laughs> so this week in old technologies, we'll move on. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, back to that screen. So, yeah, the screen is going to be the, the, the main thing that you'll notice uh, between last year's iMac, which, again, is a fantastic computer or 2015, I, I should say. Right. Uh, that is a fantastic uh, machine anyway. Um, but, yeah, the, the, the colors of this this new iMac uh, are pretty breathtaking when you see them uh, up close. And, and of course, again, Apple made sure that the press area was was perfectly kind of designed to, to show off those screens uh, and that the, the images they had on screen were also definitely there sure. to, to show you just how, how beautifully colorful it was and just how wide the color gamut was. So um, just to get nerdy for a second there, the color gamut of the 2015 iMac is uh, – was a P3 um, uh, color gamut, which is uh, vastly superior to the sRGB that you would normally find in in a standard kind of computer monitor. Um, and so, yeah, that that um, as you put in the show notes, that that gives you 24 million colors. That's P3 um, does. That's the P3. Okay. Because yeah. uh, I mean, so I can tell if it's only 23 million. I can yeah, absolutely. I know, I know. I just, oh, this looks horrible. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You can't live like that. But um, no, so, so that, again, that, that's one of those things where as we were going through, you know, when, when I was sitting in that WWDC uh, keynote and, you know, it felt like it went for 20 hours. But oh, at, that was at, once they, it was so it long. It took me four days to, to watch it. <laughs> really? Really? <laughs> Just little chunks. <laughs> But yeah, so once they got to the iMac um, and they started talking about how much more improved the screen was, as a long-term iMac user, I thought, well... <laughs> I mean, how much better can it get? Like the the iMac I have on my desk is pretty impressive as is. Turns out it can actually get a hell of a lot better. And wow. yeah, it, it really is uh, impressive to see. Now, the the way that they've – so that they've increased the colors from 24 million uh, available to 1 billion colors. Um, <laughs> now, they say that the, the way they're doing that is via um, dithering, 10-bit uh, dithering. Um, now I, I had a bit of a back and forth with, uh, Roger Chang, the, the producer of the daily tech news show who was saying that, uh, the dithering is something that most professionals would not want to use because it's kind of a, uh, it's a perception thing rather than a, uh, an exact kind of idea of what the color Maybe is. Maybe something being. like interlacing or, or, uh, interpolation. Exactly. Yeah, okay. yeah. It's one of those things where it's it's kind of tricking the eye to to to, to actually see those those more uh, that that wider range of colors. Um, I'm not too sure about that. Like, I mean, I've I've gone back and forth, and I've I've, I've chatted with um, some people um, I know who are you know far far more uh, pro users of video and uh, and design than I am, um, and they kind of think, look, you know, if the human eye can see it, then that's good enough. So I'm not, sure. I'm, I'm honestly not really sure. And, and and you know, as as I kind of wrote in the, the article, I, I I picked the brains of as many engineers as I could find while I was there, and because that's the nice thing about kind of being being at WWDC, you're there with the people who created a lot of this stuff. Oh, so neat, so you neat. can actually. 
yeah, just grab someone and say, or, or even if you just, you know, you go up to the Apple PR person that you're with and say, I need to speak to, you know, the, the person who designed the iMac display. And 20 minutes later, that person is standing in front of you. So <laughs> it's um, magical. What fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of fun for, for someone who wants to kind of deep dive into some of this stuff. So, yeah. um, yeah, so so uh, I I got the you know I got the lowdown from a bunch of different engineers. They they all explained it. They they're all very very passionate about why this was um, an incredible kind of leap forward. Um, and you know all I can say is how it looks really is impressive. So uh, yeah, I, I I can't I can't really get into the details in terms of whether pros should possibly get a different monitor. And and I think, you know, if you're working in um, in print anyway, you've probably got a print calibrated monitor that you, you would use, that you've been using for years. Um, so this would just be, you know, a, a nicer, this is just a nicer, more powerful computer to have as well. Okay. So now this is going to, and I'm, I'm going to say it several different ways, KB Lake, Cabby Lake. Tom, mm-hmm. Tom Merritt always says Cabby Lake, and I thought, oh, I'm going to show him wrong, and I looked it up, and everybody says it should be Cabby Lake, but Intel calls it Cabby Lake for some reason. All right. It's spelled K-A-B-Y. So that's the new processor that's replacing – should have had that at the top of my head before I started. Whatever the previous one was. <laughs> so you said something about – in your article, you said um, that it'll have the most impact on the laptop line. What did, what did you mean by that? Why is that not just as important or more so in a semi-pro machine like the uh, iMac? Well, there's not a lot of extra power that's coming with Cabby Lake. Um, okay. So, and I can't remember what the, the, the previous lake was either. Um, I It'll come to one up. of us. <laughs> it will, I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure someone is furiously yelling at their iPhone right now. But um, Stephen Getz is, just so you know, if you want to know who it is. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, but yeah, uh, so... Skylake. The, the, Skylake, there we go. Um, yeah, so the, the, they're very similar chips uh, in terms of power, in terms of architecture, in terms of um, the, the way they behave. Um, the, the main difference with KB Lake is actually uh, KB Lake is a little bit more power efficient. Um, so that's why I said it was going to, to have the biggest impact on the laptops is that um, you'll, you'll probably get um, a couple of extra hours battery life in, in kind of your, your standard kind of browsing style um, hmm, okay. way of using a computer. So if, if you're, you know, if you're in Final Cut Pro or you're in Xcode or you're in, you know, you're doing some really heavy lifting task, then the battery life's going to be the same either way because, you know, your computer is heavy lifting at all times. Oh, but okay. Kaby Lake has the ability to um, idle, uh, has better idle power and a bit, little bit better kind of power management when, when doing the low end tasks. So in that sense, um, Kaby Lake, yeah, will be felt most uh, in the laptop line. And I think it was the inability to go to KB Lake that caused Apple to stay at 16 gig of RAM, and they weren't able to go to 32 on the on the MacBook Pros. Mm-hmm. I think. Well, uh, that was yes, that was the stated. Well, first of all, that was definitely the stated reason, and that is true. So, so Skylake did uh, at least the, the laptop versions of the Skylake. Ch- Skylake chips that were in the MacBook Pros, uh, the previous generation, which I purchased, by the way. So just so and you know, you're talking I to me on one. <laughs> well, actually, no, no, that's a different different laptop. But yeah, so I, I purchased one of those uh, um, those MacBooks that came out last year, um, mm-hmm. last October, and I don't feel ripped off at all that this this new version is out uh, just eight months later. I think you know, I, I think it's good that Apple are, uh, are making those updates to the the product line when they're available. Um, 
Anyway, I, I will just say that, uh, yeah, so the, the idea at the time, um, and I think I even wrote it in my original review of that thing, was that, yes, the, the uh, laptop version of Skylake chips could only support a maximum of 16 gigabytes. And that's why you, you would only get 16 gigabytes in the Surface Pro or um, other you know similar-sized laptops. You, you had to go up to um, a chunkier, uh, really heavy-duty kind of laptop. Some of the ones from Dell and HP um, – had the kind of the, the larger version of the the Skylake chip that could actually support a little bit more uh, okay. up to 32 gig of RAM. Interestingly enough, the KB Lake processor now in the laptops do now support 32 gig, but there is still not a 32 gig op- option. I, I, I was going to ask you about that because I just looked it up. I wanted to make sure it said that, but yeah, it still only goes to 16. Yeah, and Why I think is that, that do you know. Well, I mean, I think that uh, you know, for for Apple, the, the Apple seem to have a uh, you know very uh, very much. A, they've never been a company that talks too much about specs. They never right. really kind of swim in that in that you know in that area. They 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 allow your your Dells and your HPs to to have the, that spec battle. But for for them, it's more of a look and feel and a, and a thing that people. Uh, will remember about a device, I would say. Um, and so I think the, the the decision they made there was if you put 32 gig of RAM into a MacBook Pro, uh, yeah, you're going to get um, uh, more power to jump between, say, After Effects and Final Cut or Premiere, if, if that's what your workflow is. Um, but you're also going to eat through that battery so much faster. And uh, so I think that that's where they've decided um, to, to put that limit in, uh, is, is to, to make sure that uh, a MacBook Pro uh, doesn't have, uh, you know, four-hour battery life. On, and and on, if you're going to be plugged in all the time in order to do that, then you might as well have an iMac? I guess so. I guess yeah. so. That's, that's yeah. their thinking. You know, um, I, I also wonder, I, I know I'm not a top-of-the-line user, but I, I stress my machine a fair amount. I mean, I do I do screen flow, video screencasting, and I do, uh, I do a lot of audio recording stuff. I can hmm. turn on every single piece of equipment I have, I, I mean, every application, run them all simultaneously, and I cannot hit 16 gig used. I, I can't even come close. And I, I, don't, yeah. I, I would think that I'd at least be able to sniff near it. But I mean, it's, it's at all times, I'm almost all idle. Mm, My memory right. pressure is 14% right now. And I know this isn't super stressful, but God. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, when, when I did review the the uh, the 16 gigabyte RAM configuration that I had last year on the MacBook Pro. Um, I had a lot of comments, a lot of people in the comments saying, "Well, you're obviously not a pro user if you don't if you think that 16 gigabytes is is um, okay." And yeah, I, I tend to in my day job, I tend to have you know three or four VMs going. I'm screen recording them at the same time, you know, and and then I'm turning those into uh, user videos that that I, I feel like I. I you know, use Stretch my machine it? pretty. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I, I love um, so, the whole idea of calling if people arguing now about, oh, you're not a creative or mm-hmm. you're not a pro, you know, and, and there's people at listen to Andy and Nako a lot. And, and he complains about it when all he's doing is typing. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's complaining about the 16 gig limitation, but you, you type for a living. I'm not saying you're not a pro, but you type. You could be using a Chromebook for what you're doing. So why are you why are you whining about 16 gigabytes? Yeah, yeah, and look, and you know, I I I work in IT. I work with a lot of people who need the best. You know, who feel that they need the best, whether they need the best or not. Um, So I do understand those those uh, kind of arguments, and and I've heard them all. But um, 
Yeah, uh, for me, look, for me, I think the the 16 gig um, MacBook Pro is actually um, a, a fantastic machine, and it depends kind of what software that you use as well. Like, I, I think that you know, I, I can definitely see the difference between uh, using something like um, Adobe Premiere versus Final Cut, which you know, I know a lot of people refuse to use Final Cut these days based on the the kind of troubles it had during its uh, in, uh, introduction. That was 2011, people. It's been a while. They've improved the software a hell of a lot, and it works really well on their hardware. It's very, very smooth on their hardware. So, uh, you know, that's one of the reasons why I've kind of switched back. And, you know, it's it's one of those things. Um, yeah, not to, to get too, uh, into into that whole discussion, but I really do think that 16 gig in a laptop is probably fine for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. Now I'm loving the SSD in the in the new MacBook Pro. I, you know, I wrote the number down, but I'm wondering whether I've got my B capitalized incorrectly. Is it three gigabits per second or gigabytes per second? It's gigabits per second. Gigabits per yes. second. So I actually got that right. But I I love that, and I did some mm. tests, and I got more than two and a half, like more than double the speed, which they said from a 2013 MacBook Pro to the 2016. Um, but on the other hand, I don't find myself slowed down or sped up by it at all. Like I can run a test <laughs> yep. and go, woohoo. So if I transfer one giant file, I can see it. Mm, yeah. Well, yeah. I, so because I do have the, the kind of the older iMac, um, on my desk and also the MacBook pro, I have found that, uh, I, I have found it frustrating sometimes, um, when I've imported something to my MacBook pro to do a quick edit on, uh, and I'm ingesting a lot of 4k video, very okay. large files. Um, that would, that would it, matter it, there. Yeah. Yeah, and it just it, you know it, like I'll I'll hit uh, import for all of the files that I've I've shot that day, and I go up to make a coffee and it's already done. Hmm. Whereas the iMac is kind of still kind of chugging through some of that stuff, um, okay. you know, a couple of minutes later, which is not you know it's only a couple of minutes, but you're you do suffering, feel it. you're suffering. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so you know, like I mean, these are little things that again, I'm I'm not. I wouldn't consider myself to be a video editor, even though I do that um, as as part of my job. But people who who do that as a living, or people who you know work on raw files and you know take three hundred raw files uh, at a, at a photo shoot and then have to import all of that into their computer, That's they're going to see the difference. difference. Yeah. yeah, it's it's really going to change the way that they um, they uh, th- they get through their day. Okay. So um, I don't know a lot about graphics cards, but one of the things that kind of kind of tickled me to think about was they said that they're now going to have support for external graphics cards. That mm. seems that seems like a really really big deal to be able to hook up an external hardware graphics card. I understand to a MacBook Pro or to an iMac. Yeah, it will work on anything that has uh, Thunderbolt three. Uh, so it's okay. going to be built baked into the um, into Mac OS itself. Uh, okay. This- okay. Yeah, so it's currently the the feature is currently in beta, uh, and so so basically the only one that won't get it is the MacBook Adorable, as they call it. Um, the, the <laughs> yeah, because that's only with... USB C, but not Thunderbolt three, right? Exactly, exactly. Okay. Uh, so that's the only one that's going to miss out. But uh, yeah, I think it's actually a very big deal. So we again we we use um, external breakout boxes at the moment for uh, some things in in terms of so in our video edit suites. I work at a university, so we we have okay. a lot of different uh, setups uh, of the Macs around campus. So I, I really get to deep dive on some of these things and um, see 
Yeah, it's really, really good fun. Um, and so, yeah, so we do already have some breakout boxes in some of our edit suites uh, for just things like uh, audio interfaces and things like that that um, you might not be able to uh, pull off with the, the current config. But the, the missing link there was the support for external GPUs. Um, and ever since uh, Razer were, were the uh, the first to, to market with this, they you can get a Razer laptop, um, a PC laptop that is, you know, a, a fairly beefy PC laptop as is, um, so you can play some pretty high-end games on that thing. Uh, but it also comes with a breakout box with um, the full uh, 1080i, uh, 1080 Ti graphics card um, that you can stick on your desk. And then when you're at home and you've got that space, you can actually then get the full power of uh, a desktop class uh, GPU. Um, and yeah, I've, I've got a colleague at uh, Sydney Morning Herald who has reviewed that, says it works fantastically. Um, speaking with Apple. The, the, one of the reasons why it's in beta at the moment uh, is it is it is a bit of work to get it done uh, because mm. it's not just – so if, if all, all it was there for was to enable better graphics in gaming, um, according to the engineer I spoke to, then, then yeah, that would have been a checkbox and they would have been able to do it uh, because if, if you're – if you just need the GPU for gaming, then basically it's one-way traffic. You're you're taking the game, you're sending the information to the GPU, and the GPU then just sends it straight to uh, the the display, and that's it. So it's just one way of traffic. Um, but a lot of what they want to do, and one of the, what why they they're working on this, because of VR, and also because of you know pro applications like Final Cut and Adobe and um, Adobe's collection, um, a lot of that actually uses the GPU to do some processing and then sends the information back to the RAM of the machine to kind oh. of to then, yeah, work with that data. Um, and for that, the two-way trip, that's actually the, the bit that is kind of tricky. And so that's, that's why it's, yeah, at this stage, still in beta. It still apparently works very, very well. I mean, they, they had um, displays of the, uh, the VR machines plugged into MacBook Pros, which was fun to see. Yeah, um, yeah especially – who was it that said – there's no way you you basically can't do VR with Apple because they can't support it. Yeah, it was was the that head, Steam or it was Oculus. Oculus, who, okay. Yeah, it was it was the head of Oculus, and it was interesting to note that uh, it was only um, HTC vibes at uh, <laughs> in the press area. I thought that was a, a telling moment. Um, Apple yes. is nothing if not not petty about their feelings being hurt, right? <laughs> Indeed, indeed. Yeah, you don't you don't smack talk if you if you want to appear in one of their keynotes. Yeah, you know, um, I've talked about this a fair amount on the on DTNS and definitely on my show. Um, I don't I don't believe in VR. Uh, I, I had one guest say, but Allison, it does exist. It doesn't matter whether you believe in it. I, I believe it exists. I understand that, but to me, AR is is interesting, and there might be some cool stuff happening. But to me, VR, I have yet to see a compelling argument for anything beyond video games and and i'm not saying video games aren't an important market uh but you're you're talking about a a vast amount of money for what is a small percentage of of users available for that market so Mm. where do you weigh in on that what do you what do you think about the markets for the two of those I, I totally agree. Um, yeah, I, I think it's it's interesting that Apple, uh, you know, the, if you looked at the AR dem- demonstration versus the VR demonstration, the VR demonstration was kind of cool. The person doing the VR demonstration tripped over objects in the room twice. And this is on a, you know, a, a perfectly rehearsed uh, Apple keynote. Like you can't get a more stage driven kind of show yeah. than, than an Apple keynote. And they still tripped over twice, which I think shows just how how kind of tricky VR can be at times. Yeah. Um 
I find it, yeah. I, I mean, look, we've got a VR lab um, here at work, and uh, I, I've seen some really amazing stuff happening in that VR lab. They've, they've, uh, you know, I, the, the, there are people here, again, because it's a university, people are doing research on VR okay. and, right. and doing some really, really cool stuff. So there was, uh, there was one little setup that they had of uh, using VR to kind of, uh, as a as a therapy tool um, to uh, mm. show people, say if someone was afraid of heights, uh, put them in a VR uh, headset and have them virtually walk ac- across. <laughs> Scare the crap high. out of them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But but just to you know, to I can't remember what the name of that therapy is. But uh, you a, know, the, aversion therapy, I think, where you yeah you, you yeah make somebody hold spiders because they're afraid of spiders. Absolutely, and that that was one of the um, the applications they had as well, where where you actually put it on the VR headset, and then spiders crawled up your arms. Oh. <laughs> uh, anyway, and, and by the way, I am completely taken in hook, line, and sinker on, on that mm. sort of thing. I do understand, but I I just you know yeah. a lot of people have said to me, uh, oh well, what about uh, what about like for for doctors, you know, for teaching, and you know, uh, like three sixty VR, and I'm thinking, well, if you're watching a doctor do something, and you want to be that doctor, you don't want to be looking behind you, you want to be looking at the patient in front of you. So there's exactly. there's so many examples that just don't, I don't know, but but AR where you're overlaying information. Uh, I'm working. I, I I talked to somebody at CES. I think it was a year ago um, where they were talking about some goggles. They said, what if you're wearing these and you're working in a mine and you're working on something, your piece of equipment breaks down and they can and they can transmit the the manuals into the goggles so that you can see what it should like look like and be able to put the parts together instead of having to have a paper manual that you tote down there. And, you know, and those kinds of things, I, I really start to see. A future for AR that could be extremely broad. But when I get to VR, I'm like, mm, it feels like games. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, if you think of, I, I mean, I, I think the promise of Google Glasses a couple of years ago was really fantastic. It just wasn't the, the, the tech wasn't kind of cool enough or friendly enough um, mm-hmm. or accessible enough uh, for, for Google Glass to really take off. But yeah, I mean, the, I, I always think of something like, you know, I, I've been to, I was in Japan a couple of years ago and, uh, you know, going through some of those train stations, uh, the, there's a train station there that like 10 million people pass through that station every day. Um, and there's like 14 exits. Um, and <laughs> it was just I mean, it was incredible to get through, but like if you could have glasses on that were showing you in English what uh, exit you needed to take, yeah. uh, you know, like how incredible would that be? Th- those kind of yeah. um, kind of heads up display for the real world um, is what I think would be fantastic. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. I agree. I want the one that tells me your name is Peter Wells when I run into you next year, because I'll be mm-hmm. going, oh, man, I know that guy. Who is that? <laughs> you know, Steve. And Steve's like, I don't know. My memory's worse than yours. <laughs> That's the one. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, um, I want to shift gears. You wrote another article about the iPad Pro, and I assume the one we're, uh, you're excited about there is the 10.5-inch iPad Pro? Yes, yeah. Uh, so that, that was um, a lot of fun to play with. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's a beautiful device. Uh, I found that review actually incredibly hard to write hmm. uh, just because I, I already love the iPad. Like I, I think if, you, if you're going to get one of the tablets as we have become – have we – as we have come to know them, as in the the little device, there we go, uh, the little device that you you know sit on the couch reading emails or browsing the web or you know that 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 kind of friendlier computer that that you can hold one handed, without a doubt the iPad is the best in, in that in that category. Um, you know that I, I can I think that there are many arguments to be made that Android uh, beats iOS in certain areas. Tablets aren't one of them. Uh, the the iPad is definitely yeah, it's the, not the a tablet tab- OS. 
yeah, I mean, exactly. it's not the manufacturer's problem. It's there's no OS really for them, right? That that too, and and I mean the the thing that I found that is incredibly frustrating is um, anyone who who owns an iPad would know that you know if if it is the kind of computer that you only use sparingly, uh, you know you only use it for certain tasks, you can throw one of those things in your bag. You don't even feel it in there because it's so light, and mm-hmm. and then you know you can pull it out after three weeks without using it, and it's still got uh, you know eighty percent battery on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of the Android devices that I've played with that are the similar form factor. The, the battery will run down in three days no matter what. Um, and, and, and I think that's Android. Mm, that, yeah. that, that's probably not – well, it might be to some extent the manufacturers, but from what I understand, the uh, the, the charging differences between Android phones and, and iOS is that Android phones charge like a, a beast. I mean, they charge up really, really fast, but they also deplete quickly because mm. of the OS. And they're well, doing first, something in, in uh, whatever Android O is called – I'm calling it uh, Oscar Mayer Wiener version, but uh, right, right. <laughs> they're doing something on the battery life in that. So hopefully that'll get well, better for them. They were supposed to in 6.0. Like six, <laughs> one of the one of the marquee features of 6.0 was uh, the better power saving, uh, mm-hmm. and it just it, and it, and it does work in their phones. Um, I, I just kind of feel that manufacturers probably put a hell of a lot more time into the development of the phones because that's what people are buying. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, at least once again, the, the tablets that I've used don't seem to be anywhere near as good, um, which is so okay. frustrating. Like, yeah, a tablet with a, a much bigger battery will run down faster than a phone with a much smaller battery. <laughs> anywho, anywho. Anyhow, so, so setting aside Android. Back, yes, indeed. So back to, well, I mean, that's, that's the way I found, that's why I found it difficult to write about because on the one hand, the iPad is head and shoulders above any Android tablet. On the other hand, you really do have the much more compelling arguments coming from Windows now. Uh, the Windows tablet's out there. The Surface is the, is the poster child. But uh, even uh, I, I played with an HP Elite X360 the other day, um, and I kind of feel it's actually a little bit better, um, a, a better implementation of that Surface idea of the mm. two-in-one convertible. Okay, right. Um, and that is really compelling. Like it, it is, it is quite nice to have, to have this. both. Yeah, both in a the the HP one specifically um, is about the like just a millimeter thicker than my current MacBook Pro, but can also be a tablet. Um, and and I found that really really kind of cool. But you know, end of the day, it is still a Windows 10 machine, uh, which means it's uh, it's not something I would you know possibly give to my mom or my sisters. Um, I've handed they've gotten hand me downs of my iPads in the past um, because I know I can give them those devices and never once get a call about tech support. Mm. You know, it's just there and they can play with it. And that's a compelling reason for the iPad. I don't know whether that's a compelling reason for the iPad pro, which is twice the price and twice the price before you even get to adding the pencil, which is another hundred dollars or depending on where you live. Uh, You do have to add the pencil when you go to uh, on the windows tablets, the windows convertibles, um, the pencil doesn't uh, come with the surface pro. I don't think it comes with the Surface, but it does get, come with the the HP. Yeah, that's, oh, that's okay. The, yeah, but again, the HP is like two grand. So again, double <laughs> the price again of the of the uh, yeah, um, I, iPad Pro. I did want so to say one thing in there. I I find that sounds compelling. My my anecdotal evidence with a, a vast experimental uh, you, you know sample set of like six people is that uh, people who have these devices tend to use it either always as a laptop. Or always as a tablet, they don't tend to use the, yep. the you know on and off functionality. 
Yeah, and I think that is true. Um, and, and what I think might actually be compelling is I think it might be that there's a, a touchscreen on a key, with a keyboard. Mm, I think it might yeah. be that's so good together that you don't want to separate it. It's sort of yeah, a best of both yeah, worlds. I can see that. I can see that. Um, yeah, I mean, hmm, yeah. Look, I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong, and and that that's why I I think that say the Surface Book um, or that HP that I was talking about the um, I'll, I'll throw it in the show notes, but um, that they they are more, far more compelling than the Surface Pro, which is kind of designed to be mainly a tablet that can sometimes be a computer. I think the ones that are on the Windows side of things, the ones that are designed to be laptops most of the time, but can pretend to be a tablet every now and again, you know. Uh, they're the ones that are probably um, the, weaker the more contest, compelling devices. Yeah. But yeah, okay. I mean, so I do. I, look, I've I've been using the iPad Pro. I, I've um, I was not allowed to review it with iOS 11, which yeah. I think is going to be what really turns this into a really interesting device. So now that the review is done, I have thrown iOS 11 on the machine, and it really is night and day uh, in terms of. Um, of, of what it does in terms of being able to use that device um, as as a bit more of a powerhouse machine. I mean, here's <laughs> the thing, right? I, I can I, – I think for majority – say a majority of office workers, um, especially if you live in – if you live in the uh, Office 365 world, um, Microsoft's apps for the iPad are fantastic. They're really, really good. Um, and for the majority of people, unless you're running like really, really super high end macros in Excel or something like that, uh, for the majority of people, you will get by just fine with, um, Outlook and Word and Excel on an iPad pro. Um, and mm. you know, you might, um, first of all, you get, you're going to get fantastic battery life. You're going to get incredible performance. Um, so I think for a lot of those people, it's going to be a really, really compelling device. I wouldn't, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see, say, so, say the iPad Pro have a bit more of a um, an uptick in that executive market. Like when the right. iPad first came out, it was a bit of an executive toy. Sure. And then it became the device that everyone, you know, read Facebook on the couch with. Um, <laughs> I, th- I think it could have a, a bit of a renaissance in that. In so that so let, me, let me try to separate things. Let's set aside uh, iOS 11 for a minute because there's just so much interesting about that. But on the iPad Pro, so what mm. Apple has now is they have the iPad mini that hasn't had much of an update lately. And they've got the 9.7 inch iPad, nothing. And mm-hmm. then the 10 and a half inch iPad Pro and the 12.9 inch iPad Pro. Yeah. Right. And the 10... It's, yeah, and the two iPad Pros are exactly the same internals now. It's just you, you're just choosing the screen size. Oh, oh, okay, okay. And and but you've got the larger bezel on the twelve point nine still. Yeah, you've still got that kind of larger bezel. You're right. No, normal. Yeah. Okay, okay. But so I think that the ten, just the ten point five inch size in a nine point seven inch form factor is is going to be what starts to break things loose again. Because there's a lot of people who are like, oh, I, I want a bigger screen, but man, 12.9, that thing is giant. Mm-hmm. And, and 10.5 might just be that sweet spot. Whether it was necessary or not, it might now, there's a void that it's just sucked right into is what it feels like to me. Yeah, yeah. And it, it is nice to hold the device and it not feel, I mean, it's still as light as it was um, as the 9.7 inch that mm-hmm. it replaced. Um, so so that's nice. Like, it, it definitely, th- that is definitely one of the issues with uh, um, some of those uh, surfaces and stuff is that they're so heavy when you're, mm-hmm. when you're trying to use them as a tablet um, that you really can't use them kind of one-handed. Um, and yeah, the, the 12-inch iPad Pro for me was the same thing. It was just far too big, uh, far too bulky to be a one-handed 
handheld device, which is what I want from an iPad. You know, that's that's huh. the key feature of the iPad is, is being able to kind of use it one-handed and walk around. And See, see that's um, interesting. I, I have a 9.7 and a 12.3 or 12.9, and I hmm. absolutely positively use the 12.9 three times as much often as, as, as I use the 9.7. Now, right now, the audience will be glad to know that I, my third iPad Pro 12.9 has now failed. Uh, I, I don't know what's going on. I've, I've just gone into this weird loop of every one I get has something horrible wrong with it. This one's dead right now. The touchscreen stopped working. Uh, oh. But but before they started fixing it, I had a problem with the keyboard to start with, but before they started helping me, I loved it. Um, mm. And in fact, when I put the 9.7 up my today to watch uh, DTNS this morning, like we do, my husband said, wait a minute, did you get an iPad mini? That's how small it looks to us. It looks ridiculous. I think you can get used to, to either one, yeah. whichever one you have. But I think the 10.5, we always like the middle option, right? Mm-hmm. If something's yep. there, something too big and something too small, oh, look, one's just right. Yeah, yeah. It's the Goldilocks effect. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, do you think it's worth twice the entry-level iPad price? Uh, well, that's, that's the question. I mean, again, I think if, if they threw in that pencil for free, um, then that would be compelling. Cause I mean the, the main, I, I actually, I prefer typing on an on-screen keyboard, even on the pros, like even with that. Um, really? Yeah. I just, I just kind of feel that with iOS, like the, 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 um, uh, autocorrect, even though it's mocked so much, the autocorrect is, is actually very good. And, and I, hmm. I just find that I'm a lot faster tapping away on a, on a screen than I am on, um, on that, on those physical keyboards. Um, so yeah, for interesting, me, like, interesting. I, I'm definitely the other way around, but you know what I do more than anything? I use the Apple pencil with my script stylus. Have you ever okay. played with that? No, no. Oh, you, you will die and go to heaven when you see this. If it's a, uh, it's a third party keyboard keyboard mm-hmm. and it gives you yeah. a, a line to, to write on and you write by hand with the pencil and it types for you and it's right. amazing it, it yeah, sucks cool. at doing urls but everything else so when i'm in the the layback you know sit on the bed or on the couch kind of thing i just sit there and scribble out notes and it's phenomenal right well i mean the the one thing i found uh playing with ios 11 especially is uh the new note notes app is fantastic really? um, i mean it it really has kind of gone beyond uh notes as as a as an idea like it, it can suck in um you know i mean there are third-party apps that can do this already but uh in terms of uh taking uh uh scans of uh, documents and then being able to mark them up and a whole bunch of really cool, cool kind of features uh one note um they're, they're very similar uh sorry the new notes app uh has all of the features of those two uh, applications, but it's it's just a, a much easier interface. It's it's uh, you know th- those two apps are just so bloated. I, I can't kind of use them. I, I actually I find really, really... hate Evernote. The, the, the I, whole yeah. interface, I just can't stand it. Mm. Plus, its sync is terrible. It, it takes forever to, to to kind of sync between devices. So um, yeah, like, I I really really love where they're going with, with Notes, and it, it's funny. Like it's funny what the the small apps that end up becoming the lock-ins for you mm-hmm. on a on a device um and so I, i've uh, i've kind of moved a whole bunch of my notes um into apple's notes now and and it's so compelling that i feel like i might actually be locked into uh you know using ios for a while now based on, wow. on that alone can yeah, you so. uh, can you pull in other kinds of media like audio files and photos and 
Uh, yeah, you can definitely use photos. Um, in terms of audio, I don't think it does uh, have the the record feature that, say, OneNote and Evernote have just yet. But okay, yeah, um, I, I don't necessarily mean recording, but um, you know, just this is all the stuff I need to remember is what I would put into Evernote. Uh, I use a tool called Together from Reinvented Software, but it lets me pull in any kind of media. So video yeah, right. clips, audio clips, you know, text, photos, it doesn't matter, PDFs, whatever it is, it'll suck it all in. Interesting. Um, I can't see that option, to be honest. Um, okay. But, yeah. They might I'll not have you know. sucked me in yet. So I noticed you've dodged the question, is it worth twice the entry-level iPad price? <laughs> so you, you're know. talking to your really brother, and yeah. he says, you know, I want to buy this, but do I have to buy the Pro? I would say, okay, are you going to use the, the Pencil? And who do you think and, the pencil's for? Uh, look, the pencil is, without a doubt, the best stylus uh, for, for one of those uh, devices. It's much, much better than the stylus, that, uh, the, the Surface Pen, um, and probably even better than uh, some of the Wacom really high-end uh, devices. So, yeah, look, if, if you're going to um, if, if you're going to use the pencil, uh, say Scott Johnson, mm-hmm. definitely, get the iPad Pro. Sure, <laughs> um, sure. But if, if, if you're, your reason to own an iPad is... You know, you've got a computer at work and you don't want a computer in your house, but you do want something that, you know, might might play some Netflix or answer some emails while you're on the couch. Um, then save the money and get the iPad, I'd, I'd say. Okay. Okay. Yeah. The only thing I use the pencil for is my script stylus to, to, to actually write by hand, which sounds really stupid because I don't like to write by hand. But there's something about this app that it just makes me want to do it. It's It's pretty cool. Well, right. You'll be happy to note, actually, that the new Notes app as well, uh, you can write hand, uh, by hand in the Notes app and it will become uh, indexed and searchable. Later, I saw so. that. That's crazy. This actually turns it into type text. I don't know mm-hmm. if I said that. It's got, it's got uh, optical character recognition as you're writing by hand and turns it into real text. Oh, awesome. It's crazy. Yeah, you got to check that out. Um, okay, let's talk about this HomePod. I don't <laughs> listen to any music at all. I, I yep. have no uh, no musical interest whatsoever, uh, but I know that for some reason other people do. How much is it a speaker versus an assistant? Because they really downplayed the assistant side, but then talked about it being an assistant. Yeah, uh, well, it, it's it's hard to answer that. So the, there were no demos on stage of oh. uh, anyone asking uh, HomePod to play something. Uh, that, you know, so Phil Schiller stood in front of a big wall of text, and and the wall of text showed the different questions that would be supported. Uh, so you know, play play blues uh, from the fifties, play whatever, play mm-hmm. early grunge, um, and those those uh, examples were there, but no one actually said that to a HomePod. <laughs> um, and we we did get to hear a HomePod in action at Dub Dub. Um, and it did sound fantastic, but again, uh, we weren't given a demo of of asking the HomePod oh, questions. I thought um, I saw somewhere, maybe it was just documented, not not actually live demos, that, that they showed people in a circle asking it questions and it would answer the right person. So the, the right answer would come to my iPhone if I asked it uh, a question about, you know, what's the capital of Australia? And when you asked it what was the capital of the United States, that would go to your phone. The Australia question would go to mine. Okay, so, so Siri has had that um, uh, ability since iOS 10. It, it was actually a point update somewhere along the lines of iOS 10 um, for uh, Siri to recognize your voice over someone else's. So um, if, if everyone right. in your audience is up to date and you say those magical words that uh, get Siri to pay attention to you, mm-hmm. um, then only uh, then, then in theory, 
no one else's phones, but mine should go off. Yeah, um, and that isn't true. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you know, in theory. I yes, do. I do have to say, we were we were watching the keynote, and the Amazon Echo woke up and said, "I'm sorry, I don't know anything about spiders." Mm-hmm. <laughs> what are you talking? <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Well, I mean, so okay, so I, I really do think Apple are downplaying the idea of it being a, a, a speaker. Sorry, a digital assistant, just okay. because um, they may not be a hundred percent as confident in Siri as say Google is with. Google Assistant. I mean, I, okay. I've got a Google Home in my uh, place. So both both the Google Home and Amazon Alexa are both not really supported in this country just yet. Mm. Um, so I, I chose Google's because I thought it might um, might be supported a little bit uh, faster than Amazon's. Okay. Um, it was interesting actually hearing. So we had a the, we had a demo of uh, the HomePod versus uh, an Alexa and, or an Echo. Sorry. Um, and versus a Sonos Play Five, I believe. So, um, from an audio perspective, yeah, absolutely. Okay. And and of course, uh, the Echo sounded awful um, when it was playing <laughs> music back. I'm sure it's fine for podcasts, which is probably what I would normally use it for. <laughs> exactly. Um, uh, but yeah, in terms of audio, it sounded awful. Um, and the HomePod actually did sound better than uh, the the five hundred dollar uh, Sonos that oh. it was up against. So that was oh. interesting. Um, but I did think it was also interesting that, uh, the Google home was not in the room because oh. I think the Google home sounds pretty damn good. Like it's, it doesn't sound great. It's, it's not without a doubt. It's not one of those, uh, you know, high end speakers, but, um, I use it all the time, uh, when I'm in the kitchen just to, to play music back. And it sounds, it sounds, you know, as good as say, um, a standard, uh, Bluetooth, uh, speaker, something like a Yui boom. I don't know if you're familiar with that brand. No. Um, they, or, you know, just like a little Bose kind of uh, uh, speaker that you can buy, just, you know, one of those little bookshelves. Oh, right, speakers. right, right. I think it sounds fine. So, so um, yeah, I, I do think that the home sounds pretty good. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm not I'm not sure. I mean, that's the other thing. Look, I'm not an audiophile, so I, I don't think I'm, I'm the target market for the HomePod anyway. Um, You're perfect for me, though. <laughs> Podcasts, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Look, you know, I've got a Bluetooth speaker. I carry it around the house. So, I, therefore, I get multi-room support with that Bluetooth speaker. <laughs> there you go. And it, it does just fine for me. Well, I've kept you from talking about iOS 11 uh, several times, and I, I definitely want to hear what you think about it. So, uh, what are the what are the top features that really blew your dress up? Uh, look, the, the, the new multitasking feature, especially on the iPad, is fantastic. Um, so when you hit the multitask, uh, the double tap of the home button to pull up the multitasking, um, you've, you've got, first of all, you get a dock now, um, which is pretty cool. Uh, anyone who knows OS, uh, Mac OS would be familiar with the dock. Uh, but it just means that, like, you know, whatever you've got, um, whatever file you currently have, you can then drag into the dock and, and open up, um, within that application if it's if it's an app that supports that so you know it's 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 hard to exactly say um how it's working at the moment just because um not everything has been optimized so you know you'll you'll see on the uh on the demonstrations that they showed the new files app that they were talking about uh will be able to talk directly with um first of all any app that supports um the files app so it it would be up to um an app uh, maker to to allow things to be saved in that files app so that you could then find it later. Um, but it also supports, you know, Dropbox, OneDrive, those kind of things. So it becomes this one central place where you could kind of browse all of the files that you, you've been, um, you've been working on. And for me, that sounds great because, you know, I use Dropbox as my personal 
Cloud Drive, um, but I, I work in an organization that uses uh, Office 365, so I also use OneDrive as my work one. So to have, you know, all so of that files in, would have both of those in it. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, um, okay. I thought files was going to basically let us have a third place to or a fifth place to put stuff. No, no. Well, I mean, it, it, you can save directly to the iPad as well, but um, it, it's more just a, the ability to um, to. Yeah, save across all of basically wherever you you are currently saving. Apple knows that uh, Apple at least are, are sensible enough uh, to know that not everyone is using iCloud Drive. Um, okay. I think it's a fair fair thing to say that Dropbox probably has the market share over iCloud Drive at the moment. Um, okay, I was a little worried that it was going to be a way to that would force you to start syncing files from macOS to iOS. And that no, would get no. scary. Okay. So files gives you access to local storage or the cloud storage services. Yeah. And, uh, okay. and, you know, and, and Apple also said that, look, you know, not everything is going to be available in there, in there just, just for, for a user point of view, for instance. So, um, you know, if, if you had 2000 songs in your Spotify, you don't want to see those inside the files app. You just want to see those in Spotify. Um, in the same way, photos are going to still live in photos. Um, okay. You know, they're not going to cludge up the the files app as well. So they're, they're being very kind of sensible in the way that they that they approach this, um, just to, to give you a, a, a good user experience, I think. Um, but yeah, so so I think that's that's really cool. I think the files app is very, very cool. Um, the, the other thing I really, really liked actually is um, they've got, so you, you've, you, you've being familiar with a split screen if you've used a, a yeah. modern kind of iOS um, app, right. there's there's this new version of the split screen. I can't remember. A slide over, actually, it's called. Oh, okay. Um, slide over is before it officially splits. Split yeah, screen is yeah. once you pull it far enough over that it sticks, but slide over is when it just starts, you get it over and then it swings back, I think. Yeah, you can kind of swipe it in and out. And and the idea here would be, say, if you were watching, say, the, the keynote live um, mm-hmm. and you also had Twitter going and you wanted to be, you know, talking to your friends about what what thing was just announced. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't need Twitter to be, you know, taking up the screen at all times, it's just a really nice flick from the side yeah. to bring up Twitter, chat a bit and then flip it aside again. Um, you know, it works. I, I, I used it the other night when uh, a, fr- a couple of friends and I were watching something together and we also had uh, Slack open. We have a Slack okay. channel. Uh, and, you know, just popping in and out of Slack and, uh, you know, and just I, chatting. I love it for it. one password. Yeah, absolutely. That for that. Be, mm. Yeah, so a bunch of things like that I think will be, um, you know, it, it's just, it's it's not a groundbreaking thing, but it's it, it once you've got it in your hands and you've played around with it, it really is, it really does make a, a difference in terms of really quickly jumping in and out of an app. So um, so what's new in, in iOS 11 about that? Uh, the fact that, so, so first of all, the slide over it doesn't need to be it doesn't need to be taking up the full screen. It's just a, a much faster way of jumping in and out of those screens. But, but slide and, over and, existed in iOS. No, 10. no, 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 no. So you only had the the kind of the the middle. So you, basically, you had a two thirds split screen. It, it's that same kind of. Uh, it takes up just as much real estate, but it actually hovers over the main app that you're using rather than being its own separate. Oh, section. oh, I see what you're saying. So, so your yeah. main screen stays still; it doesn't get squished. Exactly. I exactly. got you. Okay, okay. So that and you sounds can also beautiful. flip it around the screen as well. So if Ooh. you know if suddenly um, whatever you're watching is taking up um, most of the space on the right hand side of the screen, uh, you can actually just flip it, flip the the slide over to the left and keep going. That oh, that's cool. So, yeah. What, so now, a, how about drag and drop? That looks fun. 
Yeah, look, drag and drop. You know, I mean, I think uh, it's funny that these some of these things that we take for granted uh, on on a desktop machine, you can see how hard it can kind of be to implement mm. on a touch interface. Uh, you know, so, you know, famously, Apple took forever to, to bring in um, uh, copy and paste. And, <laughs> I, I and was I feel, the same thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I kind of feel that drag and drop, um, they've they kind of, you know, they've they waited long enough um, in that same kind of idea of, of just making sure, like one of the things that, that is really nice with drag and drop um, that might not be obvious immediately is you can drag and drop multiple files. Um, mm. So if you hold down one file in your Photos app, for instance, um, and and just rather than just immediately start dragging and dropping, if you just hold that down and then just tap on one of the other files, that other file sucks in under the finger that you've got um, on, on the screen. So and you so need then two suddenly, hands to do this or incredibly dexterous with one hand, right? I was able to do it with one hand, and it kind of worked so all right. So, like, tap with so, your pinky and then with your index finger? How do you do that? Yeah, yeah, you kind of play and twist with your hand there, but, um, you know... Because <laughs> it, it looked a little clumsy on stage. I'm not going to lie. Right, it looked right. possible, but, like, ah, I dropped it. <laughs> yeah, no, fair enough, fair enough. Um, but, yeah, it, it does actually work really, really well. And and the, the other thing that I love, I love, 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 is uh, when you do a screenshot now, so... Um, I'm sure you'll you'll be very aware of this, and anyone who does kind of training manuals or anything like that will love this. Um, you take a screenshot immediately; it just kind of parks itself in the bottom left-hand corner Ooh. of the screen, and you can pull that up, and you've got the markup tools right there to go. So you can oh, immediately nice. start drawing on. So you know, I, I've already used it just to, uh, in the last couple of days. I've used it so many times of you know taking a screenshot of Google Maps and saying. Here is where the car is parked. You know, just a quick little um, squiggle to show where the car is parked. Um, and the nice thing about that is, so you've got the the standard share options that you would get of you know sharing to Facebook or Twitter or whatever. Um, and so once you do that, because you're still in the share sheet, because you're still you know you haven't actually jumped into the application um, that you are about to share to. You've just kind of used it to share to that app. Um, the next button is a big button saying delete this screenshot, oh, which is really, really nice yeah. so that you, you don't have to save it to your camera roll. If it's just a, a throwaway thing that someone only needs for that that moment, bang, it's done. I you, think you, a you, third of my my uh, 50,000 photos are are screenshots because that. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, any, Anyone great. who does a lot of explaining for a living, I'm sure, is the same. <laughs> uh, you if, if you pop into your Photos app, you will see that at least Apple at the moment have now uh, segregated them into their own little section, so you can yeah. actually throw them out pretty easily. I, I keep meaning to do that. Absolutely. Yeah. So <laughs> they they didn't do a lot with Mac OS, right? Except a terrifying undertaking of replacing the entire file system. Yes, yes, which is absolutely incredible. Um, what could possibly you, go wrong? I'm sure well, it'll be smooth. Well, it's it's interesting to hear that because, uh, so you know, I mean, they they did successfully update one billion iOS devices uh, to without us uh, knowing or noticing yeah. most of us, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, for for I, I mean, I, I think if, if if even only one percent of those one billion billion devices um, had issues uh, during that AFPS update. Um, then we would have heard about it. We would have seen a, a lot of um, uh, headlines about Apple bricking devices around the world. The sure. fact that 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 happened and there was no, you know, there was no major outcry uh, that these devices seemed to get updated. That was remarkable. Uh, I don't know if you listened to uh, John Gruber's uh, talk show podcast. I haven't yet. That this episode, I heard the he, who did he have on the show? He had Phil Schiller and Craig Federighi, okay. um, who were two. Uh, Apple executives. 
they actually explained how they did that. Um, one of the fascinating things uh, to hear from that that podcast was they actually did trial runs of the upgrade over. So uh, it was ten point three was the iOS update that that uh, updated everyone's file system, and so ten one and ten two secretly had uh, updates to the file system as well that mm. they updated. They they updated you to the file system. They tested it, made sure everything was working, and then they downgraded you back to the Whoa, previous file system. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah. And <gasps> and so it was the, those two updates, point updates, were test runs over billions of devices or over a billion devices to see whether this this update in place would work. Um, so it wow. was incredibly clever um, the the way they did that. And um, I've I have noticed that the the updates for ten eleven. Uh, I believe we're on no ten twelve that we're on right now have actually taken quite some time and they oh, do. Do you suspect do they're doing it again? I think that that's what they've been doing. Um, they didn't say that on the on the show, but uh, oh, yeah, wow. I wouldn't be surprised if if they've been um, if they've also been doing a bit of a test run of um, the file system upgrade. I have. Uh, I have far too many Macs. I'll just say that now. But I do work, and I do. I test. I test a lot. Um, I've I've done one Mac so far. Um, I've thrown it on the Mac OS beta, um, and yep, upgraded without issue. So wow. it, it did take did take a little bit of time. It rebooted um, a couple of times, uh, which normally only happens if Apple are doing a firmware upgrade. So I think mm. that that's part of the this the you know the the transfer of file systems. But um, yeah, it worked fine. Um, so, so I, yeah. is this something – I was assuming that the macOS upgrade went easily because – I'm sorry, the iOS upgrade went easily because they have a fair amount of control over how you write to the operating system and, you know, vetting through the Apple Store and all the, – the App Store and all that. And I was assuming that the wild, wild west of, of macOS would make it a lot more dodgy, like applications would need to learn to write to that file system. Yeah, well, I mean, Apple have uh, have taken steps to kind of lock down macOS over the last couple of years, anyway. So, but um, all the weird stuff like Drobo dashboard, or or you know, I mean, there's always that weird stuff that that's going to do. Sure. You know, you're you're now talking to a NAS, and what's going to happen with that? Okay, uh, you did say that this was a bit of a nerdy show. Oh yeah, um, yeah, could, nerd out as yeah, bad yeah. as you want. Oh, you're right. As good well, as okay, you want. So the, yeah. So the one thing I would say is. Um, uh, so it looks like um, apps that uh, do not use, sorry, apps that use case sensitive file names um, seem to be the the one hiccup. Um, so so first of all, the so last year's version of of macOS um, uh, in, included something called SIP, which was system integration. Sorry, system, system integrity in, protection. Exactly, that's it. Thank you. Um, and that that kind of um, blocked. Uh, a bunch of the the weird little kind of kernels and um, uh, launch demons and things like that that um, people had been writing into their software for a long time. Um, that that really did mean a whole bunch of things needed to be rewritten. Um, that's that's why you you saw, you know, certain things that we use day to day at at my environment. We had to wait a little while before we could upgrade um, the Macs uh, because some of that stuff just needed to be rewritten completely. So. The fact that that stuff was already rewritten for last year's version of, of macOS should be okay. Uh, the, the things that are going to fall over um, uh, are the things like case-sensitive file names, which doesn't seem to work, um, or it, it, it's not as well supported on macOS. Now, of course, in iOS, they never supported case-sensitive file names to begin with, so it was never an issue. So you're uh, saying the, the Mac- file name has to be allowed to be upper or lower case? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, uh, 
and so that, that that is the one thing that could trip people up um so i would uh expect that there's you know a bunch of people at adobe seem to be one of the uh <laughs> usual suspects topic. Yeah, they, they they seem to have a bunch of stuff that they'll need to rewrite um, before Sierra comes out. But they have four months to do it. And um, I, I would imagine uh, most of this stuff, um, you know, Apple, especially when it comes to, to your bigger stuff like Adobe and Microsoft, I would expect all of their stuff to work day one mm-hmm. uh, when Max Mac OS High Sierra, which is the dumbest name in the world. Uh, when, when it comes out, I think that they'll – those two vendors will be fine. I think it's going to be more of your yeah, things like the, the ones that always break. Uh, having worked in IT for far too long, <laughs> I can tell you what's what's never works on day one. <laughs> Endnote. If you know if, if you know what Endnote is, you'll, yeah, you'll know that, heard it, of that it never okay. works. Yeah, it never <laughs> works on day one. Uh, there's there's a bunch of things like uh, SPSS and uh, some statistical programs. A bunch of things basically mm-hmm. that are kind of you can feel that they were written once in the hope that they could then just port the code between Windows and oh. uh, and Mac. And, you know, th- things that are Real still very specialized. Important. Exactly. Real, re- and, you know, for the people who use them, they're mission-critical apps. Um, but, you know, for, for, for anyone that has a very large uh, um, kind of Mac market share, I, I would imagine they're going to be uh, good to go on day one. Okay, okay. Yeah, as long as Rogue Amoeba does it all, and they always do, so I'll be good. <laughs> uh, yeah, Rogue Amoeba, they've, they've been working with uh, Apple for years. They'll be fine. Rock solid on that. Do you think with iOS 11's advancements, do you feel like it's getting closer and closer to Mac OS? Like this is a big leap? Uh, I, I, I feel in terms of the the actual operating system itself, yes. Um, I think what's letting it down actually is the Adobe's of the world. I, I, I think mm. it's quite frustrating that... Uh, you, you know, uh, Adobe for, for whatever reason has divided Photoshop into um, you know three or four different small Photoshops on on iOS that you have to kind of you have to know which one does what. You know, one does the kind of drawing side of things, and one does the uh, image editing side of things. And um, you know, to be honest, you probably it's probably easier to just to buy Procreate, which is a um, an, a third party app uh, that can do. Can, can export as PDS, uh, so Photoshop files. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're, they're the things that I find frustrating about uh, the current state of play in the Mac is that, uh, sorry, in, in iOS is that the the um, the chip inside that thing is is probably more powerful than uh, the chip in in you know most uh, laptops that sell for less than a thousand dollars. Like it's right. an incredibly powerful chip, and for whatever reason. Um, there are just, there's just, you know, it, it's, it's like, it, it's, it's, it's the, almost psychological. It's the, <laughs> yeah. It's sitting in the uncanny, uncanny valley of, uh, of, uh, laptops at the moment, you know, like it is so close to being a real laptop, but it's just not there just yet not there. because, you know, like, like for instance, how would we record a podcast right now if we, if we were both on our iPads? Like, yeah, cause you, know, you can't Skype, do that yet. Yeah. And uh, look, iOS 11 actually has screen recording built in so um please if you're running the beta uh you've got a little um public uh, uh response kind of thing to, to send uh ideas to apple please hit that that button and say allow me to record just audio um of the system so that i could record a podcast on my ios device with, i think without that would... a without an app uh, mac with you yeah yeah that would be I, fantastic you you were talking a lot about uh photoshop are you familiar with affinity photo uh, so I, I saw the demo, and and you know I, I thought it was very um, telling that that 
app was up there. I mean, it looked amazing. The so the, the that, demo. I'm I'm really really familiar with it. Um, I I did a video screencast of for it for version one on the Mac and version one point five on the Mac, and uh, they they built the code base with the intent of being able to have it simultaneous release on Windows. So when they just came out with their Windows version of it, and now it's the same code base going into their their app for uh, for the iPad. This is really really close to Photoshop and it's, Mm -hmm. and it's 50 bucks on the Mac and it's, it's uh, right now it's on sale for 40 bucks, but the, the iOS app is on sale for 20 bucks. And Mm. it is, I I have half a mind. In fact, I I really got to get around to just doing it. I'm going to buy it for Scott Johnson and tell him to stop whining about the Mac, not having a touchscreen because it's, it's amazing. It's a, Mm. it's a little bit weird because they have to do some interesting things to get menus to pop up and stuff. So the interface is a little bit wonky, but, uh, I think once you get to it, you can absolutely do photo, photo work on that. Mm. And it's phenomenal. And they've also got, uh, a, uh, a a vector designer program called affinity designer that is spectacular. It's really, really good. So I, I think waiting there, they're catching, going past what Adobe can do in a lot of ways. Um, it's not the, the affinity photo does not have everything that Photoshop has, but it's not, it's not a Photoshop elements by any means. It's much, much closer to Photoshop. Yeah. And it's, it's frustrating though that, I mean, you know, that, that is great. It, it, it looks incredible. Uh, it's a fantastic bit of, um, software and it's really teaching Adobe what they could do with the iPad. Um, but it, I, I mean, for me, I just feel it, it's frustrating that, uh, Adobe have not made that, that level of app yet because adobe unfortunately is the thing people know i mean again we we would love to teach i would love to go down to our labs right now and change uh photoshop with pixelmator on all of the on all of the macs because i think it's a fantastic app for for most people's uses mm-hmm. um but we we have to teach photoshop because that's what the industry uses well keep an eye on you know just in your experimental lab there get yourself a little copy there of uh of affinity photo and see what people say to it cuz i really think it's going to it's going to change the market not only is it spectacular it, the the it's not a subscription price either exactly yeah they, they don't have a lightroom yet but they're working on one excellent and then i think the yeah, game's but- over yeah, yeah, and I mean that's one of the reasons why. Yeah, and no, I, I think it, it does make sense for Apple to to push these these kind of uh, brands because yeah, I mean I, I I love the fact that I bought Final Cut Pro uh, during its launch in 2011. You know, I, uh, it, it was on sale for the launch, so I paid 199 dollars, um, which is equivalent of two months of an um, <laughs> of a Creative Cloud subscription. Um, and and it's been updated for the past. Is it three years or four years now? That uh, five. It's five years. It's been upgraded all those times and you have not paid it another dime. No, no. And, and you know, whenever I need to do a test on a, a new um, device, you know, a, a review unit that I have, I know I can download it immediately uh, for free over the over the Mac App Store. So it's it's really, really great. So, yeah, I, I really do like the, you know, I, I, I know the whole industry is moving towards subscription, but I like paying once and then not thinking about it. Oh, so do I. So do I. Well, hey, I promise to keep you, uh, let's see, 20 minutes shorter than what I've just kept you right now. So <laughs> that's I, fine. I really should let you go. But I had a, I had a feeling this was going to happen, that we were, we were going to have too much fun. Well, if people want to uh, want to look you up other than reading the Sunday Morning Herald, um, or, I'm sorry, Sydney Morning Herald should get the name mm-hmm. right. Uh, how can they follow your work? 
Uh, just go to Peter Wells on Twitter. Um, I, I'll link out. I, I always forget to link to my articles, but um, hopefully I'll remember to do that so you can follow <laughs> along there. But yes, uh, Peter Wells on Twitter is the easiest place. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming. This was fantastic. I really enjoyed it. And uh, I hope we can get you back on the show sometime. I really enjoyed it, too. Thank you so much, Allison. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Chit Chat Across the Pond. This show is not supported by ads. It's supported by you. If you learn from the show, or even if you're just merely entertained by the shows, please consider supporting the show. If you go to podfeet.com, there's a big red button in the top banner that says support the show. If you click it, that will reveal to you several ways to contribute. You can pledge a monthly amount using Patreon. You can use the Amazon affiliate link for your country. You can make a one-time donation using PayPal. Or you can record a listener review, which is an awesome way to contribute. You can always chat directly with me via Twitter at Podfeet or email me at allison at podfeet.com. You can join the conversation in Facebook by going to podfeet.com slash Facebook or on Google Plus at podfeet.com slash Google Plus. Thanks for listening and stay subscribed.